Well, good morning and happy Labor Day to everyone here. Good morning to everyone online. I hope that you're having a happy Labor Day and having a good time with friends and family today. I look forward to getting in our time in the Word together. Today we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. But before we go further, let's go into a time of prayer before God. Father, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for this weekend where we get to celebrate and have a good time and and take a time of rest even. God, I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that you would preach to your people. God, you know what they need. Speak to their hearts this morning. God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, we're all preachers. You're a preacher, you're a preacher, you're a preacher. When did you start preaching, by the way? When did you sense the call? What what types of sermons do you like to preach? What type of of, uh, themes do you like to preach about? We're all preachers. My guess is that we even have some kid preachers in here today. Preachers come in all stages and ages. Now, some of you might be saying, Terrence, surely you have lost your mind. I am not a preacher. I've been running from that calling for a long time. You got the wrong address, bro. I am not the one. I am not a preacher. What are you talking about? But the, but the truth is, is that we are all preachers. A preacher is simply a proclaimer, and we all proclaim some kind of message. And the person that you preach to the most is yourself. The person most impacted by the messages that you proclaim and preach is you, the person in the mirror. So what kind of sermons have you been preaching to yourself lately? Are they sermons of hope? Are they sermons of despair? Are they sermons about your issues and your problems? Or, or are, are they sermons about God's providence in your life? Are they sermons of kindness? Are they sermons of love? Or are they sermons of criticism where you're beating yourself over the head? What kind of sermons Have you been preaching to yourself lately? Dear friend, how have you been talking to you? Or have you been talking to you at all? Maybe you've just been listening to you. Maybe you've just been listening to your emotions, listening to your worries, listening to your doubts. In his classic book, Spiritual Depression, Martin Lloyd-Jones writes this. He says, have you realized that the most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? The main art of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself, to take yourself in hands. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. 
different? What kind of sermons have you been preaching to yourself lately? We may listen to a a sermon on Sunday or watch different sermons online throughout the week. But sometimes the most impactful sermons are the little sermons that you preach to yourself. As we come to our text in the book of Lamentations, we see a man lamenting and wrestling with his thoughts and preaching to himself. A lament is a protest. We see a gentleman here in, in, this, in this passage protesting to God. A lament is a way to process emotion. As we look in the text, we're going to see him processing his emotion. And a lament is also a, a place to voice confusion. And we're going to see the, the author of this, this passage, Jeremiah, doing all three of those things. He, he's, he's protesting, he's processing emotion, and he's finding a place to voice his confusion because he's confused about some things that are taking place in his life. Most, most scholars do believe that the author of Lamentations is a man by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of God's prophets. And in this passage, we see Jer- Jeremiah beginning to lose hope. He feels forsaken by God. He, he feels forgotten by God. If Jeremiah had been analyzed by a psychologist, he probably would have been diagnosed with post-traumatic syndrome. Uh, PTSD. He might have been a candidate for PTSD based upon what he's experiencing. So, so he's experiencing this level of trauma that is so intense. He's having flashbacks about the past, flashbacks about Israel being invaded, nightmares about Jerusalem being burned. He can smell the smoke. The PTSD is real. The people of Israel have been placed in exile. They are in an unfamiliar place. They are captured and and controlled by unfamiliar people who are doing unfamiliar things. The root word of unfamiliar is the word family. So when we are in unfamiliar territory, what we're actually experiencing is the feeling of being unfamilied and disconnected from the family. That's why unfamiliar places and experiences can feel so unsafe. We feel unfamilied. And in our text, Jeremiah and the rest of Israel feel unfamilied from God. They feel disconnected, abandoned, forgotten about, cut off from the family. All familiarity has been stripped away. The temple where they worship God is gone. Their customs and way of life, gone. The Sabbath day of rest, gone. The king, gone. All is unfamiliar now. Jeremiah laments over this. He, he processes his pain and his confusion, and he protests his disapproval. Lamentations chapter 3, 
verse 1 says, I am the, the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath, afflicted by God, driven away by God. He says, God has turned his hand against me. A quick observation here. God is actually present in this story. God is in the picture. Jeremiah is not an atheist. He is not denying God's existence. He does not doubt that God is present. But he does begin to question whether or not God is on his side. This is personal. This is about him and what God has done to him. Can you imagine being Jeremiah? He had been preaching faithfully, warning the people of God, telling them that they needed to repent or that disaster was going to come, and the people didn't listen. He was trying to warn them for years about rebelling, and finally they are now experiencing this, this, this pain and this suffering that's a result of their own rebellion against God. And now all of Israel, even Jeremiah, is experiencing this darkness. Can you imagine how frustrated he must have been? How unfair this all must have felt? He's like the kid in school that told the other kids, stop throwing the paper airplanes, stop throwing the paper, the paper balls. If the teacher sees us, we're going to get in trouble. Stop, guys. Stop, guys. And everybody is having a good time throwing the paper planes and the paper air balls. And then the teacher comes in and says, the whole class is in trouble. Everyone. All of your fun privileges are taken away. The kid who's been following the rules takes offense to this. He takes it personally. This wasn't me. It was, it was those kids who were throwing the paper balls and the paper airplanes. I tried to tell them about your rules, and I'm getting punished too. I, I thought you were a good teacher. I thought you were a good teacher. Jeremiah is taking this personally, and he's wrestling with doubt and confusion about God's identity. So Jeremiah responded, with lament. He, he voices his pain and confusion. He says, I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. It's one thing to be mocked, okay? But it's quite humiliating to be mocked in the form of a song. A song just makes everything worse. So he says he's been mocked in song all day long. He says, uh, God, has, God has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. Jeremiah is losing hope. He's wrestling with his thoughts. He's beginning to make judgments about who God is based upon his circumstances. See, pain and suffering makes theologians out of all of us. Theology is just a study of who God is. 
And when, we, and when we begin to go through seasons of suffering, we begin to make assumptions about who God is. Pain causes even non-religious people to make judgments about who God is and who God isn't. If it rains today, God isn't good. He doesn't love me. If it's sunny today, oh, God, God is good. Thanks, God. You're the best. You're my best friend. It's sunny today. If we allow our circumstances to determine our view of who God is, we will always be unsure of who God is. If we allow our circumstances to determine who God is, we'll always be unsure about who God is. We'll be like the the person with the flower picking the petals saying, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Something favorable happens for me in my life or in work or anywhere, that means he loves me. But if the results don't go my way, maybe he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. This is the battle that we find ourselves in from time to time. We're always in a battle of belief. And the battle takes place here in our minds. Jeremiah's mind was a battlefield. He was tempted to believe that God had forgotten about him. But a glimpse of light begins to shine shine through this darkness. Verse 19, it says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness of the gall. I well remember them. My soul is downcast within me. He begins to remember these things. He hasn't, he hasn't forgotten about these things. He isn't denying these things. He, sa- he says, I remember them. So there's an obvious battle here. But in verse 21, there's a shift. He says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Jeremiah has hope because of the truth that he begins to remind himself. And the truth that he is reminding himself is that God is compassionate Though, though we have gone through this tough season, God is compassionate. We are not done yet. We, we have not been consumed. There is hope and a future. God is a God of compassion. Now, Jeremiah's circumstances didn't tell him that. No, no, no. His circumstances didn't tell him that. But the truth of God's word told him that. And he chose to believe God's word as opposed to his circumstances. His his emotions were saying, God isn't good. Look at what's going on around you. God isn't good. But he begins to tell himself, no, God is good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I know who he is. He is good. Verse 22 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah begins to affirm the true nature of who God is based upon upon the promises of God's word. He says, great is your faithfulness, God. That's who you are. I remember who you are. Great 
is your faithfulness. Another word for faithfulness is loyalty. God has made an agreement with his people in his word, and he is loyal to keep his promises to the end. Even when God's people are unloyal to him, he remains loyal to them. Great is your faithfulness. He has not forgotten his promises. He keeps his promises even when we don't keep ours. And even when God disciplines those that he loves, he remains loyal to those that he loves. See, what Jeremiah is banking on is the loyalty of God. Despite what's going on around him, he's banking on the loyalty of God. God made a promise and a covenant with his people, and he knows that God is going to keep that. I know that you haven't forsaken us, God. I know that you haven't unfamilied us, unfriended us, God. That is not who you are. Great is your faithfulness. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail, which means they are not failing today. And maybe someone needs to hear that. His his compassions are not failing you today. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And finally, Jeremiah does something interesting. Jeremiah begins to preach to himself. He goes from lamenting and crying and confusion, which is okay. Sometimes you need to do that. But he goes from lamenting and crying to preaching to himself. He has spent his life preaching to the masses, but now he is preaching to himself. Sometimes the most impactful sermons are the little sermons that you preach to yourself. Jeremiah says, I say to myself, not to the masses. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, which means he is the one that satisfies me. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the ones who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of of the Lord. Jeremiah reminds himself of the simple truth that God is good. If Satan can get you to forget about that or to deny that, he's got you. But as long as you can remember and believe that God is good, friend, there is hope. Sometimes the most impactful sermons the little sermons that you preach to yourself. What can we learn from Jeremiah? Sometimes you can't afford to wait until Sunday. Sometimes you can't wait to go find a sermon in a podcast or on YouTube. Sometimes you need the word of God right now. And the only person that can deliver that message to you is you. Sometimes when you're behind that desk at work, you have to preach a quick sermon to yourself. Sometimes on that drive to work, you have to look in the rearview mirror, 
while not swerving too hard in traffic, but you have to look in that rearview mirror and preach a message to yourself. Sometimes your spouse says something that takes you over the edge. You need to take a deep breath, woo-sah, and preach a message to yourself. Sometimes when you're downcast, you have to lift your head up and preach a sermon to yourself. And when people are counting you out and maybe they're doubting you, and you're not getting the affirmation in the different places that you want. You have to preach a sermon to yourself. And when you are out of line and you know you've done wrong, sometimes you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself and preach a sermon to yourself. Sometimes the most impactful sermons are the little sermons that you preach to yourself. So, friend, what sermons... Have you been preaching to yourself lately? Your soul needs you to remind yourself of the truth of God. Your soul needs you to preach the gospel to you. Your soul needs you to remind yourself that you are the beloved of God. Your soul needs you to remind yourself that you are chosen. Your soul needs you to remind you that you have been saved by grace and not by works. Remind yourself that. Your soul needs you to remind you that your identity is found in Christ and not anything else in this world. Your soul needs you to remind yourself that Jesus is coming back and he's going to rid the world of evil and he's going to make all things new. Your soul needs you to remind yourself of that. Your soul needs you to preach the gospel to you. So I want to leave you with a little challenge this Labor Day weekend. I want you to, I want to encourage you to recite this passage, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. That's verses 22 through 26. I want to encourage you to recite that passage to yourself once a day this week. Just once a day. Set a reminder in your phone if, if you need to do that for a time in your day where you just can remind yourself of God's truth. Allow these scriptures to remind yourself of who God is and who you are. It may be in the morning, it may be at lunchtime, it may be on the drive to work. But in a day's time, you're going to hear so many competing messages. Your emotions are going to tell you that God, maybe God isn't so good. And the circumstances that you experience may tell you something about God. And Satan himself might creep in there and try to tell you something about who God is. And that's why it's so important to remind yourself that God is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. So do like Jeremiah did and preach to yourself. Your soul needs you to preach the gospel to you. Let's pray. Dear God, we come to you in your son Jesus' name, praying, God, that you would guard our hearts from the evil one, who tries to discourage us, weigh us down with burdens. Allow us to experience the love that you give 
and to believe it, to know it, and to walk in it. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray.